Here we go. Welcome everybody to episode number six of the business of this week. We tackle not the business side of something called the NIL. And I am honored and pleased to have our guest Peter joining us. Hello, NIL Pete. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure is all mine. Just admiring your Miami Dolphin helmet behind you. My my producer slash Jets loving son uh, would not be happy with that. But, you know, what can we say? It is what it is. All right, sir. So tell me a little bit about NIL Pete and what you do before we dive into what this NIL is. Yeah, of course. So my name is Pete Schoenthal. I'm the CEO of Affliance. Affliance is a name, image, and likeness disclosure data and education management company. We license our software to universities. So when their student athletes get name, image, and likeness deals, they can disclose the terms to their university to make sure everyone is compliant and protected. We also make sure the school has all of their data um, for recruiting purposes. And so the athletes have the data for tax purposes. We educate staffs on what's out there, um, the importance of NIL. We do the same thing with athletes. Um, we educate them on financial literacy, tax literacy, life skills, education, mm-hmm. um, and just make sure everyone's doing things the right way. Uh, an earlier episode, I had the sports tax guy on and we were talking about sports tax and, and how athletes get taxed. So this would be a whole nother realm uh, to that, that, that these kids probably just don't understand. I know my kids and they just don't teach this kind of stuff in, you know, in school. You know, and I wish they would teach more of these life skills. So it's that's that is awesome. Um, so it's something that that is definitely needed. All right. So take a step back. What is NIL? Yeah, NIL is name, image and likeness. It's really just athletes being able to use their right to publicity. And when I say athletes, I mean college athletes um, in the you know United States, Canada. B- before college athletes, if you played uh, NCAA sports, you couldn't use your name to do anything, really. Yeah. Uh, do commercials, sign autographs, run camps, hold lessons. Couldn't, could, couldn't even sign autographs? Not for money. Interesting. Okay. I remember, I remember on the, um, the hard knocks, somebody, they were, you know, when they were doing the hard knocks of the Cleveland Browns and somebody I think wanted Baker's autograph and he's like, no, I'm not really allowed to, or, or not supposed to. So I didn't, I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. Oh, interesting. Anything that, and so this is long overdue then basically. Absolutely. Um, Is there a limit to which athletes, obviously you're going to hear about the big, uh, you know the super the superstars in basketball, the superstars in the in 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 football. But is there a limit to who can do this? No. no. Listen, if you're an athlete, um, listen. You, you have to just understand where things are going. We have eight year olds on YouTube making millions of dollars reviewing toys. <laughs> this is really just college athletes being able to do what's right, which is outside of their sport, being able to yeah. market themselves. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's been banned for 115 years, but uh, oh, now wow. we're here and uh, it's, it's definitely been a long time coming. But with this new legislation, this, this new power these athletes have come great responsibility and they need to be able to protect themselves. And, th- and that's one of the new keys in the space. Can all athletes be doing it? Or is it, obviously you're going to probably say yes, but you Can know, or should. Can or should? Both. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, now, NIL is not going to be for everyone. Not everyone's going to want to put in the effort or do, put in the time, um, and that's okay. 
but everyone has the ability to do it now. And I think it's a great opportunity. I believe that every student athlete in the United States, Canada, wherever you can do NIL, I don't care if you're a bigger or small athlete, you can make a thousand dollars a month if you know what you're doing or willing to get creative um, and are willing to protect yourself as well. Gotcha. So that's where you guys, that's where people like you and others come in. Um, do the agents get involved in that? Is it, does it, does the, is it, is it working with the right agent? Are there some agents that's against this or do they try to take a bigger cut? So I don't think there's any agents against this. This is another area for agents to get involved. We're seeing agents get heavily involved in NIL. Some started slow, but that's starting to pick up. But you have to be very careful. Uh, not everyone is an agent but everyone's acting like an agent. Uh, a lot of individuals are using this to try to break into the agency game. They don't know what they're doing. They don't have a legal background. They're taking much too large of fees. They're signing bad contracts for these athletes. They're walking them into bad contracts. So one of the issues in the space is making sure you have proper representation and knowing what to look for when engaging in those representation agreements. Um, and unfortunately we're seeing some, uh, some bad deals get done, but that will get taken care of over time. So is there a lifetime to the contract then? You know, it, it all depends. Uh, most states that have bills, the legislation uh, states that agreements can't be longer than your eligibility. So the moment you're no longer a college athlete, that contract's supposed to end, whether it's a brand deal or a deal for representation. But we're seeing deals that go much longer. Uh, so I think that's going to be some of the litigation that comes down the road where you have an athlete that's trying to get out of their representation deal. And then we look at the contract and it's what we call unconscionable. Um, it was never legal from the start. And that's where things will get interesting. OK, so there's going to be a bunch of court cases to this. There's going to be a bunch of uh, it might get to the Supreme Court. Are they going to have to rule on or is it just going to be done at the state level? It'll be done on the state level. This will, uh, you know, uh, contracts that you enter into with agents will not make its way to the Supreme Court. No. Okay. All right. That's cool. All right. That's cool. All right. So what's the downside to that? What's the bad side? There's got to be a bad side to this. Yeah. You've, you've, you've talked a little bit about obviously bad representation and, and bad. Con Could this hurt them down the road? Could this affect any pro deals? Yeah. So there's, there's a, there's a lot of um, issues in this space, but if you're not working with a good agent and you're entering into deals um, and those deals either intersect or conflict right. with group licensing deals on the NFL or the NBA side, if you're one of those athletes that has the ability to go to the NFL, go to the NBA, and you have a bad agent while you had NIL and you're involved in deals that are in conflict with some of the deals in uh, the collectively bargained um, group licensing deals in those pro sports, you could be precluded from opting in to group licensing on the pro side, which could cost oh. you a lot of money. Oh, interesting. So if they did, and I'm just making this up, if they did something like if they were in Colorado where weed is legal, so they did a deal with like a weed company or so can't, and weed is can't is big is legal in Canada. So there's lots of weed stores, there's lots of weed different brandings and things like that. So if they did something like that, well, obviously the NFL or the NBA may not. I don't know if marijuana is the best example of that, especially okay. in the United States where it's a federal crime still. So most schools mm -hmm. are telling their athletes they can't be involved with okay. marijuana companies. Okay. Um, I'm talking about more like you do a deal and this, I don't, I don't know if there's a corporate sponsor, but you do a, a, a 10 year deal with Pepsi mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you get to the NFL and you know, their group licensing involves Coca-Cola. There could be potential issues there depending on how your contract is structured with Pepsi. 
Got it. I see. So it's you really need a good legal background. That is really what you know. You need. To, are you a lawyer? Do you have legal I training? Have, I am a lawyer. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So yes, yeah, so you really need to study up. You need a lawyer behind you. So this really needs to start in high school. You need to start educating the kids and the parents. Yeah, that, that's in, not- in high school, right? Yeah, that's another great point because right now NIL in most states is illegal for high school students, which makes no sense. I think the next movement is high school athletes being able to engage in image and likeness. And then from there, we can do the education. But then there's a whole nother bunch of issues, which is high school athletes don't have those robust compliance departments like college athletes do. And so who's going to make sure that... um, Who's going to make sure that those kids are doing things that aren't going to violate their eligibility when they get to college? Because from the day you're born to the day you go to college and until you graduate, you are responsible for your eligibility and the actions you take. Interesting. Can impact that. So, you know, there are great things about this space, but there's a lot of unknowns. Oh, that is very interesting. That's an interesting point. Um, yeah. So it's going to. So, OK, I thought I saw some. And, and again, maybe this was just some bad tweets that I saw. I thought there were some high school kids getting some NIL in, in NIL deals. Some states allow it. Most states don't. Oh, I see. So it's a state by state thing. Because I was just thinking Arch Manning, you know, he is like the biggest name in, in you know, high school right now. Right. And he signed with uh, wherever he said, I forget where he signs, where he signed with. Right. Texas. So Texas. Yeah. So you know, he, he, you know, he would be perfect. He's got that whole family legacy behind him to, to have some sort of deal. So I'm sure right that right now I'm not sure if in the state of Louisiana, where he resides, whether or not you can partake in NIL as a high school student athlete. Interesting. Well, that is very interesting. Okay. So, all right. What else do we need to know ab- about this? So it, there's no, it, there's, so you really need good, like good representation. You need to have someone like you or the you know lawyers behind you. Obviously, that's going to cost money. So you really want it to be a big. You're not going to go a thousand dollars a month because you're going to spend most of that probably in fees. Right? Well, yes and no. You know, the ability to make a thousand bucks a month. We're talking about putting on a camp, um, lessons, going on these marketplaces where you connect with brands for smaller deals. You don't need an agent. You don't need a lawyer for everything. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, but the bigger deals, if you're working with brands, yes. Listen, even with camps, though, you can you can make $5,000 doing a camp. I really think any athlete can make that type of money. Hmm. But if you're going to do that, make sure you spend maybe 1000 of that on lawyer fees, making sure that your waiver is tight, uh, that you're not setting yourself up for any liability. If you want to make money, you got to spend a little money. You want to act like a business, you got to treat yourself like a business. And there's things that come with that. That's a good that, and, and that's that's the that's that point you just made is that you know it, it costs money to make money, right? Everybody wants to be that overnight success. Everybody just wants to, you know, I was talking to I guys like I'm gonna get into affiliate marketing so I can make all this extra money and stuff. No, dude, it takes time and it takes effort and it takes followers, and you have to have something that people want. Absolutely. Right? So Arch Manning, people have what you know, he's got skills, he could teach a quarterback camp, right? He's a bad example because he's got a whole team behind him and he's got, you know, he's got uncles. Listen, anyone can. You can be a Division three athlete and maybe not many people know you and you're a backup point guard, right? But yeah. you're in a town where all of these high school and middle school kids, their goal is to play college ball. And they're looking up They're looking up to him. Yeah, so you can go and say, hey, if you want to work with someone that's that's made it there, like for 50 bucks an hour, call me up and, and we'll, do an, you know, we'll do a lesson. I mean – right. So they couldn't. So last year they couldn't do this. Before no. this, they couldn't even do yeah. that. 
Correct. So cool. let, let's say, you know, you do, you know, you charge a hundred bucks and you do 10 lessons a month. That's, you know, two, you know, two and a half, you know, two to three a week, yes. two, three hours a week, you know, a week, you're making a, a thousand bucks right there. Not a bad deal. That's uh, that's book money. That's uh, that's extra tuition money. Cause some of these, you know, D2, D3, they're not on big scholarships or no. any scholar or any scholarships at all. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And again, this is speak. I'm the Canadian guy. So it's a little different up here than, yeah. Uh, it's a little different up here. You know, we, you know, the sports tax guy. Now we were talking about the different tax implications of different countries. Um, so talk to me about a little bit about the data side, because I'm a data nerd. Yeah. Um, so what kind of data do you collect? How does that work? Yeah. So we make sure that every deal um, that a student athlete engages in at a university gets disclosed to them, um, whether that is from marketplaces like Icon Source and Dreamfield and Market Price. Whether that's agents doing deals for kids, whether that's collectives, which if you're not familiar with collectives, those are. I'm, I'm not. Can you explain that? Yeah, collectives are basically boosters and supporters of a school coming together, pooling their money to broker NIL deals for kids. Uh, oh. that, that's the new thing. So we get the deals oh. disclosed from the collectives. Um, as long our goal is to get 70% of all deals in this space and I'll disclose to the universities and therefore have the data on it. So we can help athletes with actual fair market value and predictive right. market data. So they don't, if, if, so if I'm a, am I, if I'm a student athlete and I'm going to sign a deal, I don't have to disclose that to the university. Most schools uh, require disclosure. So, okay. Uh, Okay. And so you just, so you have software that helps facilitate that people can log in, they can upload their stuff. You aggregate all of that information and then et cetera, et cetera. Correct. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Cause I always wondered sort of what, what was that side of it? How, who was sort of tracking it? Who was sort of watching everybody? Is there like a, and is there like a watchdog? Is there like a. Yeah. The NCAA is the watchdog, but right, okay. now, right now they're still figuring it out. Um, this is brand new. Um, I think I like, I like to say we're still in pilot, right? We're still. Figuring okay. it out. Uh, the NCAA is doing some investigations into a few schools that look to have been pushing the envelope um, on this, but we're all still figuring this out. This, this started July 1st of 2021. So we're a little past one year. This is the space is going to take three to six years to figure out. Um, so we all need to be a little patient. Where do you see it in five or 10 years? The greatest thing that ever happened to college athletics. <laughs> I, I, I really think specifically this is going to save college basketball. You're going to see a lot of kids instead of, instead of, you know, leaving early to be a second round pick or a non-lottery pick. Um, they're going to come back and they're going to try to raise their profile um, and make NIL money. You know, some of these kids will be able to make two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year realistically based on their follower counts. Um, and so instead of seeing kids leave way, way, way too early while not being a lottery pick, I think you'll see a lot of those kids come back and we're going to see a better product in college basketball. Well, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that because, yeah, a lot of a lot of kids, you know, I'm a big Duke fan. So I see a lot of, you know, one and duns. You know, uh, the, the, the Dukies, those kids will still be one and duns. Look, if you're going to be a top 15, top 20, <laughs> you, know, you see a lot of kids leave early where they're projected to be in the second round. And basically the reason for that is it's, hey, look, if I get drafted, um, or get a shot in the NBA, cool. And if it doesn't work out, I'll go play overseas for two, three hundred thousand dollars, right? Right, right, right. And now, if you can stay in school, make that same money while continuing to develop and chase your dream at going to the NBA and build your brand further in the states, it's right. probably it's probably smarter to stay. I, uh, I, 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 I'm stupid. I just only discovered last night that Scottie Pippen Jr. was playing on the on the Lakers. Yep, uh, I, Jr. and I think there's another, pro, and then I think Shaq's son is there too. 
Oh, I did not know. I didn't think he was old enough yet. I thought he was still. I did not know that. Okay. I just because I watched the uh, the summer league game last night, and there he was starting. I'm like, how did I not know this? That Scotty Pippen Jr.'s kid, you know. And then I I went and looked it up. He didn't get drafted. Nope, he went to Vanderbilt, didn't get drafted, got picked up by the Lakers, and now he's on their their summer league team. And I think he's playing pretty well, actually. Uh, looked like yeah. From the I didn't watch. I fell asleep. It was late here, um, so I didn't watch the whole game. But from when they showed his first couple of game stats, I think he had 19 points. He, yeah, you know, I, I don't know how many minutes it. You know, he's, I know he's also doing some G League stuff. Yep, right? G League, and has the chance to maybe go overseas. And again, those type of athletes, why not stay in college if the money's going to be somewhat close, even if it's a little less. But you have much more recognition, especially in the United States from a marketing standpoint. Listen, if, if you're a star player at Gonzaga, right, um, like yeah. Drew Timmy, right? Mm-hmm. Drew Timmy might not think, you know, he might not. If Drew Timmy's being told he's a late first round, second round pick, why not come back for a year and make four or $500,000 where you're the biggest star in the state of Washington? Um, you're a national star in college athletics and use your recognition, use your name to make money, and then I can go to the NBA later. But... But, and I hate to be this guy, what if they get hurt? That, listen, that, that, that's, that's always a possibility, but I think the way we see with injuries, it doesn't really affect you. Uh, if Drew Timmy gets injured, fine. He's still going to make his NIL deals, right? He's still got marketability. Mm-hmm. He's already signed those contracts. Yeah. And eventually he'll heal and he'll get his shot. So I hear that a lot, but I think getting having these days a catastrophic issue injury that's really going to impact you long term has become less and less especially injuries that happen during sport um so i i see it being less of an issue okay there's always a risk the opposite side of that is is all right what if you leave too early and your nil money's over and you don't make it in the nba and now you're overseas and it's like this was never your dream this is not what you wanted to do and you're doing it just to make money i mean that that's equally maybe as bad a trade-off for some of these athletes so welcome to my friend Purple Haze. She says there is an opportunity cost to that. A late first round pick still has a significant contract. Yes, uh, agree. But it, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're, thank you, Purple Haze. <laughs> you might be slotted to be a, a late first round pick. It doesn't mean you're going in the late first, right? Um, so if you know if you're slotted there, there's a huge risk going um, and hoping you get taken in the late first. So why not come back? All right, make some NIL money and then try to sneak into the lottery. All right, now you're making real big money. Um, there's a there's a there's a cost benefit analysis to all of these. I yes. mean, I think you saw a lot of athletes come back. You saw Drew Timmy come back. Mm-hmm. You saw Hunter Dickinson at Michigan come back. Mm-hmm. Those athletes before NIL would have never in a million years come back. And these are big name players right. um, that if we can get a few of them to stay every year, you're now getting a better product on the college level. Um, and that's going to have a positive impact for college basketball, especially when it comes to marketing dollars for these schools and these athletes. That's a, that's an interesting point. I hadn't actually ever thought of that perspective of it, that they would actually come back. Um, Purple says, totally agree. I think it's a player situation dependent. I, listen, when it comes to NIL, every, every analysis is, is player dependent. Every athlete is different depending on the location, the size of the school, uh, whether you're in a metropolitan area, your marketing draw. Um, are you an older player? Are you a younger player? Uh, do you, tr- you know, do you translate better to the pros than you do in college? Um, who's your representation? What's your family situation like? There, there, there's so many factors that go into this 
and you're going to have to put all of those things on a board and do a uh, you know a plus minus analysis and figure out what's best for you. Yeah, especially in football, there are some players who are great at their 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 school, but it doesn't always translate to the NFL because the NFL game is different than the college game, right? They yeah. they might they might be just a, a shotgun type passer, whereas the NFL they're going to want you to go under center, and you may not, right? You know, so that college football is a little different. I'm going to cut you off because in college football you have to stay for three years, right? Yeah. Like, so yes. after three years maybe you have one or two years of eligibility left over. I think the analysis is different for, I had a pretty good freshman year. Do I want to come back for my sophomore year or do I want to come back for my junior year or go to the NBA draft? I, I think it'll be less of an impact um, in college football, but I, but I really do think um, you'll see some kids that do stay because, Hey, I'm a fringe fourth, fifth rounder. Why not yes. just come back? So it's the same analysis. Yeah, build up your sports. Um, so she asks, how do you see this affecting women in sports? This is a great question. I know a lot of attention has shown to men's sports. I know we've talked about that. But do you see the economics differently for females? I think this is the, a great thing for women's sports. You know, there's a few reasons for it. One, for a lot of women's athletes in college, your most marketable times are while you're in college, right? You know, that. I think playing at UConn or playing at Baylor or Notre Dame, sometimes you have higher profiles um, than afterwards. And, you know, even outside of basketball, women's lacrosse, women's hockey, women's softball, we don't really have a pro league for them. So this is their time to shine. And now they can capitalize on their name, image, and likeness nationally or local business wise. And it's a great thing. This this is, this is probably going to positively impact women's sports more than men's sports. Um, Schools have to be careful with how um, how hands-on they are with NIL because if you're offering more resources to your men's than your women, you're opening yourself up to Title IX uh, possibilities um, and legislation. But I think this is a great opportunity for women's sports. Let's be honest. College athletes are young kids who are in great shape and good-looking, men and women. A lot of them are going to have opportunities to market themselves and profit in ways that has nothing to do with how they play sports. And that's a great thing. If Lululemon wants to do a deal with a young woman or a young man because they're just a, you know, a good-looking model, now you could do that. And so you're going to see student-athletes be able to profit in ways that they never thought was possible, and that's just a great thing. So I think it's going to be unbelievable, and we've already seen it be unbelievable for women's sports. What, what are some of the – What are some? I, I don't want to use the term weird, but what are some of the weirdest contracts you've seen? or heard of or like, or brand or deals or whatever. Obviously you've got your car companies, you've got your sports. Yeah. Apparel. You know, weird, weird indicates bad. I'm going to say creative. We're seeing. Okay. That's why I didn't want to use the word weird. I was, I didn't think, I couldn't think of the right word. We're seeing a lot of athletes, you know, try to get equity in companies. We're seeing a lot of athletes use as a way to create own content, like paid podcasts and things like that. We're seeing athletes get creative. Like, uh, I'll give you two cool examples. Uh, Kenny Pickett, who was just drafted by the Steelers, was the quarterback mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh. He yeah. had a deal lined up with a, with a, a local restaurant in, um, in Pittsburgh. And instead of taking money, he brokered that his offensive line would be able to come in and get a free meal once a week. Right? That's pretty cool. Um, another one that we've seen is there is a Arkansas barbecue spot that did a deal with the entire offensive line at Arkansas, calling them the pit bosses. Um, and then another cool one, and one of my favorite ones is Dylan Gibbons at Florida State. Okay. Dylan Gibbons was an offensive lineman at Notre Dame that transferred to Florida State. When he was at Notre Dame, he had a fan by the name of Timmy who is disabled and uh, has to live in a wheelchair. 
So when he went to Florida State, he transferred. Weirdly enough, the first game of the year was Florida State and Notre Dame in Tallahassee. So oh, wow. he a campaign called Get Timmy to Tally. Um, and he wanted to raise about $30,000 for the travel. He very quickly raised $50,000 for the family. Timmy That's got crazy. to go to the game. It was a philanthropic effort. But because he did such a great thing, ESPN and game day um, at ESPN, Marty Smith picked up the story, ran with it. And then Dylan was able to, I think, more than quadruple his followers and became more marketable by doing the right thing. So it doesn't always even have to be money. It, it's a way now you can promote charities and, and do some mm-hmm. cool things that way. In, in my real job, I'm a big charity guy. I run a um, consulting firm that deals with charities. So how how do you see the charity side? That's one good example. Are there do, do you see do you see more athletes doing more charitable side? Yeah, we're like, seeing a lot of stuff where athletes are going to the boys and girls clubs and all that. I would just caution athletes be very careful setting up a charity in a 501c3. Mm-hmm. They can be very costly. Mm-hmm. We see it in the pro level all the time. These athletes start 501c3s. They put their friends and family in charge, and it becomes a money pit. Just be careful with what you're doing. Right, right, right. So that's where people like you and, and stuff come in. So what other data can we collect from these contracts? I know what you're only a year in, so I'm sure there's yeah, gonna be it, data. I'm sure there's gonna be data in years from now. You haven't even thought that you're collecting today, right? Yeah, it's really too early. Um, but I think one of the things is we're seeing agents take too big of a cut. We're seeing agents take thirty percent wow. um commission, uh deals in perpetuity but i'm I'm very cautious when talking about the data because most right now the players don't want to disclose deals so the 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 culture has to change and the companies like my company is pivoting left and right and without going into too much detail we've created avenues for others to disclose deals for the athletes Mm. right now most of the data is from marketplaces right like open doors influence or icon source market price those are 10 they tend to be smaller deals. We need right. to start getting the data from the collectives and the agents that are brokering big national deals for us mm-hmm. to fully understand what the space looks like. Um, like you said, this is new. So I think it's going to eventually kind of level at those bad actors, if you will, they will get weeded out and it, it's going to level out, I think. Is of that, course, is that a- it, happens, it happens in any space. Right. So there's always going to be there's always going to be people trying to take advantage, especially if you're from a smaller school, maybe from a, a state with maybe you've got some different economic challenges. If you're from Texas or New York or California, that's different. But if you're in Southern Alabama and I'm not stereotyping at all, don't right. No, yes and no though. I, listen, every school has its advantage and it's up to them to figure out you might be in Miami, but there's a million big fish in Miami, pro teams, social influencers, Listen, you're in South Alabama and you're a good player. You're the only show in town, right? So um, although there might be less overall dollars, there's less people fighting for those dollars. So it's all about understanding um, where you are, your competitive advantage, and trying to tap into it. Are you a big fish in a little pond or are you a, you know, a, a medium-sized fish in a really big pond? Yeah, listen, and there, there's there's a, a million ways that you can go about this and, and find your advantage. Like we tell kids, if, if you're in the L.A. market, if you go to USC or UCLA, get your SAG card. Um, I'm sure there's people that will be willing to put you into movies as extras and TV shows as extras and stuff like that. Oh, SAG. Oh, Screen Actor yeah. Guild. Yeah. So there's a lot of things you can do. It's understand, understand where you are and where your position of power is. Does the number of social media followers, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, um, and does the more active, does that help, obviously? Yeah, listen, uh, NIL is dictated by marketability. It's not dictated by performance. Performance is an indicator of marketability, but your marketability is your marketability. 
we're seeing a lot of athletes that none of us have ever heard of, but because they do something cool on social media, they have a hundred thousand followers. Those athletes are absolutely capitalizing. So your social media following and, and your, and your reach absolutely plays a huge part um, in name image and likeness. Right. Have you had, have you heard any big names actually decline say, you know what, I don't want to do this for whatever reason. Not do this, but they decline deals that aren't advantageous to them for sure. Well, of course, but but they're gonna always. They're, no one's gonna turn down. Depending again, it has to be the right thing, right? Yeah, but listen, it, it's hard to know if kids are saying no because we're not getting the data on that. I'm sure kids are saying no. Listen, everyone's still figuring this out. We're we're a year yeah. into this, and this thing started on on you know on the heels of COVID, where schools, um, the NCAA, and most people were not prepared for this. So we're still. <laughs> We're just still figuring it out. Right. And schools are all behind this. Everyone, schools all loving this. Nope. They definitely don't, but they also know it's not going anywhere. So it's time to embrace it. Okay. So it's embrace it or get pushed out or, uh, or whatever. So yeah, yeah cool. All right. Um, anything else? Any last comments from the chat or from NIL Pete? NIL Pete is your name on Twitter. I follow, encourage everybody to follow you. Uh, I follow you. I like some of your tweets. It's very, it's very interesting. Being the Canadian, it's obviously different up here. Um, I've always, always wondered why, and I'm just, you know, I'm just sort of a stupid Canadian. Why they couldn't do this before? Why did it take so long? I, I understand it's the NCAA fighting it. I understand that. Well, most Americans felt the same way too. So you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're good. Yeah, beautiful. I don't want to take up much more of your time. Purple Haze, uh, William, uh, already everyone in the chat, people watch this offline as well. This was a weird time. Pete, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your – I know how busy you are. I know you've got deals to broker. You've got data to collect. But I really appreciate you spending a few minutes with me just to explain what the NIL is. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, here we go. I'm just going to remove Pete so Pete can leave. Pete can back to his big work. Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. This was episode six of The Business Of, where we take a little deep dive. We may do more of, or more on the NIL in the next years to come, and we'll see how it comes in. Purple, thank you for the amazing uh, questions. For those listening on the podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe from where you are. If you're watching the replay on the YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe. We've got a whole bunch of new episodes coming up. I've got a lot of cool guests that I'm just negotiating to come up and get on the show. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Love everybody and have a great day.